clubhouse. Welcome back to our coverage of This Is Us. This is Paul. This is Caroline. And tonight we're going to talk about the 15th episode of the fifth season of NBC's This Is Us. This one was called Jerry 2.0. I think you mispronounced that, Paul. What What should I have said? Jerry! <laughs> I love me some Regina King. She is fantastical in Jerry Maguire. She is absolutely part of the duo that I love the very most, Regina and Mr. Gooding Jr. I mean, for what I remember of the show, they were solid. I love them so much, so much more than I give a hoot about Jerry and Dorothy, to be honest with you. I didn't even remember her name was Dorothy. I, I remembered it was something kind of square, but I didn't, you know, remember what it was. Paul, I'm going to come clean right from the beginning. I didn't really love the comparison to Jerry Maguire, right from the flashback that we get with Kevin and Jack watching it in the theater. I thought surely these two men went to go at some retro movie night and they're watching Rocky and somehow it's going to be empowering and that's what they're going to have bonded over. No part of me feels like Jack Pearson watches a movie where people say, show me the money and he's won over. I was thinking, you know, Rocky Five would have been around that time, and that wasn't that terrific. So what? But it, it did have a father-son situation. No one would ever call that their f- best movie ever, though. <laughs> true that, true and that. They wanted a movie to resonate with Kevin in the older teen years, right? Yes, that and, was still applicable now. And they had to find one in that window where it had come out, but Jack wasn't dead yet. Mm. And so maybe Jerry Maguire was just like shoehorned in there as something close enough. I I understand what they're trying to do here and trying to, you know, do the whole, well, the kid comes first and then you just kind of sort of fall in love with the woman. But it, it doesn't work for me. There's too many other complicating factors with Kevin's life with Sophie. Let's go back to the flashback so we understand where we're starting with. All right. Well, the various flashbacks have to do with taking the family to the cabin, which incidentally is where the bachelor party, the saddest bachelor party (laughs) in the history of bachelor parties takes place in future times. But we're talking, of course, about the flashback now. I actually didn't like the arguing with Kevin and Sophie, and I didn't like the contrasting with uh, Beth and Randall being, you know, the perfect couple right then. I thought that that was seen before, played out, expected even. What I did like, though, was the Beth-Rebecca scene. Very much. How they got a chance to connect, how Beth has always been a, a woman in whatever body she is inhabiting right then. So in this case, she's 20 or whatever. and But still, she's able to hold her own against a grown woman. And even though she's going through the sorts of things that a 20-year-old goes through, such as finding internships, dealing with boyfriends and that kind of stuff, she doesn't sound like a kid. I've talked to people that age because we have interns at work and they're still worried about like barrettes and (laughs) shit like that. But it doesn't make them very interesting to talk to for very long. But this young Beth sounds like a grown woman. 
the character kind of is like this spirit that has to travel between these actors who are handling them. They get to embody them, like you said, at, at different periods of their lives. But the but the character needs to stay intact as it moves from actor to actor. And Beth, you're right, has been really consistent and her voice felt legitimate. Like it was like, yeah, this isn't the type of thing where like previous week I said, I don't like the way that Kate's talking. I don't like the way they're making Deja talk. This version of an older teenager worked for me beautifully. She was pensive and concerned and also just thoughtful with her decision making. And I I felt like, you know what, Beth, this is a woman who I get from here and how she moves to the Beth we know now. One thing that I I wanted to point out to listeners in case they, they didn't catch this little part is that I love how they're doing this side-by-side storytelling of Miguel and Rebecca. And that every time when we're getting little nuggets of them, we get these little moments between Beth and Rebecca. Super interesting. Caroline explained this to me earlier, and it will take a second for her to explain, but give her a chance. (laughs) It connects nicely. I'm going to try to say it concisely. So if you guys look at this flashback where we have Miguel and Rebecca talking on the phone and you can tell there's a little bit of a connection there. There's a little, obviously he's, he's been calling to, to make sure he's been keeping tabs on her. And I appreciated that so much, but we have this really great heart to heart where Rebecca is encouraging Beth and saying, you know, you are a fantastic person. You can handle anything. Fast forward to when Tess is born, and this is the point in time when, again, we have Miguel and Rebecca connecting through Facebook, and in that same episode, we have a little moment between Rebecca and Beth, where, again, Rebecca's saying, Beth, you got this, because Randall... He's, he's really having a difficult time. Remember, this was one of his very first big panic attack breakdowns mm-hmm. when Tess is, is born. So we have her being like, you know, really taking on the weight of the world on her shoulders. And again, Rebecca there to be supportive. So then go from that to this bachelorette party portion. And same thing. We have Miguel having these other little touchstone moments with Rebecca and you have this in the same episode, Beth and Rebecca again, coming together and Rebecca forming these little, just literally these little moments of advice and, and encouragement, you know, where, where it's kind of interesting. Like I kind of thought Felicia Rashad should have been there, but at the same time, if, cause, cause when you think about it, she probably would have been, you know, but I think it was right that she wasn't because you, you can stick with this story. These, these really interesting parallels, how, if you can go back into these episodes, you can find like every time this is happening, this is also happening. She could have been in there during the packing scene. She wouldn't have had a place in the bachelorette party. I think she's all done in a lot of ways. I don't know that we get to see her again. Yeah, you're right. There was the teen Beth getting encouragement, but then there was older Beth getting um, current. But let's not call her older. Let's just call her current Beth was also Mm -hmm. getting Rebecca encouragement about trying to ignore her, you know, the, the, the bad feelings she was having about going back into the corporate workforce and wanting to stick with dance, but not having the steam to do it you know, on their own dime right now. And, but no, still finding no, her way. No, that's not it. it yeah. She wanted to go into a, a traditional dance studio, but she didn't want to do it the traditional way. I'm giving Caroline the air quotes. Yes. 
but you said on their dime. That's it had well, nothing to do with money. It had to do with she didn't want to get pigeonholed in a kind of stodgy traditional dance school scenario. And I appreciated that the advice was, well, go in there and make it your own. No, what I meant though, was that they couldn't afford to have their own studio where she could do whatever she wanted, no matter what. I, she'll obviously get there because we've seen it in the future. Right. But for right now, she's got to handle bridging the gap with working for somebody else. The whole time that Kevin was saying this long distance relationship was no big deal, were you wondering, has he already been cheating? I was thinking that his heart is not in this marriage as much as Sophie's is and certainly is having a much easier time being away from her. I've really never seen anybody act like that when they talk about long distance relationships. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's 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 got a wandering eye or at least is just like completely fine without her. Her little heart was definitely breaking you know, every time he would say how easy it was. And then she also had to live through watching how Beth and Randall were struggling with the idea of being apart as this kind of template for how couples are supposed to act, right? I think it's pretty typical to have that really like heartstring, you know, achy kind of feeling. I don't really get Kevin. I All I can think about is that he's so in his own head. He's so having his own moment right now, wanting to pursue his career that he really is someone who puts blinders on and can just look forward and work. I guess that's where we get to to that Jerry part. Like, I really don't want to make the comparisons with Jerry Maguire. I know that the show is pushing that on us. But if you can go from the standpoint of like the moment when Jerry Maguire decides he's just going to write this whole mission statement and he's just going to put blinders on and move forward, no matter how insane it all looks, that's basically what Kevin acts like all the time. You know, I mean, he kind of puts his blinders on and he's like, I'm going for it. You know, at, at this point, at the, especially this high school, early teenage, you know, uh, college portion, he's very in Kevin's world. And that grand gestures will fix things for you. Whether it's, you know, making a big deal out of leaving your 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 sport representation agency the way that Tom Cruise did in that or, you know, the kind of stuff that that Kevin feels comes naturally to impressing women or friends or people or whatever, the grand gesture bit. But you're right. I When I think of that character and I think of the way that Kevin acts, I don't really draw a nice, solid connection between the two. It's a lot. And then also, I mean, when he came downstairs and he reads this whole mission statement and it's all about Sophie... Again, it's hard to compare to Jerry Maguire because Jerry Maguire's whole thing is about this career and every and this business he's going to create. And it really, yes, there's a relationship in it, but then we're kind of mashing like Madison into that role later in the Nikki analogy. And I'm just like, I, you guys, this you're asking this movie to play too many parts. You know, like I don't think it works on this many levels. And so for me, I'm just like, we, we should probably just talk about the plot outside of Jerry Maguire because I just don't feel like this resonates enough. And maybe a lot of our listeners will come back and say, oh, no, 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 I can see every line. I can draw every parallel and it all makes sense to me. But to me, I would, I go back to what you were saying. You had maybe a 18 month span of movies that came out when it was plausible that Kevin was this age and Jack was still alive. And this is as close as they could get. 
<laughs> right. But not that this movie really works. They weren't going to pick like Titanic. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they could have, I guess. So, I mean, yeah, I think that you could see at this point where Kevin could absolutely be going astray already from Sophie, even though he's having this, you know, no, my whole life is with you. I've got this future with you and all that kind of stuff. Okay, but I, you know, action speaks louder than words. And he just, his heart seems so just like, eh, I'm fine. In a way, you know, when we were describing that just now, it kind of reminded me of that bit that Zoe put in his head last week, which was that when someone puts, it incepts an idea into his head, then all of a sudden that's the thing that he wants to do, right? And so... He's at the cabin. His wife is indicating that he's he's not showing her what he needs or no more like he's he's not showing her what she needs from him. And so the idea is incepted. OK, grand gesture time. I'm going to write a manifesto. I just don't care. I mean, I just I mean, maybe again, as a young girl, maybe for Sophie, that's like, oh, I love it. But I just I don't. No, he's too all over the place for me, especially at this age. I like him better when he's older, but at this age, I'm like, you would be a nightmare. You're like the bad boy that your mother warns you about. Like, oof, you're the one that's going to break some hearts. And we know he's going to, so, you know. Can I tie that into Nikki's comment yet, or do you want to plow through? Well, before before we leave the flashbacks, was there anything else at all in the flashback that we want to... To hit upon, I mean, we hit that Miguel and Rebecca, I could see some little sparks there. I could, it was really clear in just a couple sentences. We understand their relationship of, he obviously calls and checks in on her and all that kind of stuff. So that was very sweet. And again, just kind of laying some groundwork, you know, it's, this is a slow, slow build on the Miguel and Rebecca relationship. So yeah, yeah. if you want to, if you want to go ahead and move on to Nikki's comment, I think that would be okay. Well, I think, you know, plot wise, Everyone knows that that building up to that comment was just a a vo- very boring, tame, sad, sucky bachelor party that didn't follow any traditional tropes. But for guys that age, maybe who's gonna? I mean, is is, is well, and also you have to add in the COVID element. I mean, they could have probably they maybe could have gone to Vegas or could have gone to, to into New York City or gone to a million things that could have fit this group, but. Not now. Fair enough. So, I mean, yeah, going to the cabin makes sense. I I really, I mean, (laughs) Toby's comment of like, those of us who drink, we have a beer. Like that part, that really got me. I was like, wow, it's even like a dry party. Like it's not even just like in the middle of nowhere, but also we didn't bring any entertainment. Like we just had to rely on the VHS tapes that were in the cabin. forbidden from bringing puzzles. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) A puzzle would have actually seemed appropriate (laughs) with this group. You know, the way that Kevin reacted to that comment about Kevin being Jerry Mm 2.0, when I thought about it, and I don't know if this is true, because Kevin explains himself later, but his initial gut reaction for calling him acting like a jackass and that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. it might be that... What Zoe said, and and the when the way that he probably thought about that afterwards, and wondering, is this my personality? Am I am I so am I just like silly putty as a as a person? Do I not have a personality? Like these kinds of things would start to wear on you, right? Yes. And what 
Nikki had accused him of was basically that, but on a, on a, on more on a, like an eternal scale, right? You're, you're signing up to be with this woman forever now. Right. But, and there's, the thing that put it in your mind was having a baby with her. And then you just kind of made it your thing after that. I'd be pissed off that, that he said that and that he kind of nailed this thing that I don't want to feel about myself. You know what I mean? I, I think it was a, a, a very humiliating thing to say out like that. And, you know, Nikki apologizes and, you know, we go through the whole like, you know, yes, he's lived alone for a very long time and he's very filterless, it seems. There's but- something not the same about Nikki. We can go. I don't want to interrupt, but there was something no, no, about the, there can. was something about the writing for Nikki that made him seem more obnoxious than usual this time. Like like how he buddied up to Randall to show him the melon. He's been pretty cool with everybody that's not Kevin most of, most visits. I think you're right. The, he, there is something going on with the Nikki character that is a little bit odd or at least just not consistent. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're right. I, I don't need him to be a cold fish forever, but he is kind of getting into this like doddering old man. Like someone who just like says a bunch of crap whenever, anytime that I didn't take him as like that kind of old man. The whole like I laughed very hard and thought that plain melon was a hilarious thing when he came off and he had like the um, the Ziploc bag of melon. The idea that you took leftovers from plain food is hysterical, but then that you refer to it as plain melon and encourage others to eat your plain melon. Very, very funny. However, super old man, like a decade older than I would have put him in my head. But also he's normally cranky, not just cheap. And the way that he was like, Randall, look at my melon. And it was it was like, have we heard him be like that before? We do want characters to grow and change. And Nikki becoming more social, more accepting of, of being able to be around his family is a positive change for that character. Uh, And maybe this was a a step in that direction that I missed maybe the smaller baby steps between. I don't know. It it felt out of character from what I've seen from him leading up to this point. And, And I'm not saying he's growing and changing. I'm saying they've suddenly aged him like 10 years maybe more, to where he is like wowed about these silly things in a way that kind of it makes him seem, like you said, like kind of not just cheap, but like silly. Like he wasn't silly before, you know? No. And he didn't have that kind of like, a, I just say whatever all the time. It's just, it's very, it's a different Nikki. And, and maybe, it, you know, we'll all get used to him, but maybe we won't. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of like that Bonanza comment last week, but but worse, but worse. Anyhow, you mentioned uh, Toby and his his drink comment. Leading up to that, it seemed like Toby was showing signs of depression or having taken something like Clonopin or something that yeah. would tamp kind of down him out, yeah, right? his emotions. That's what I saw too. When he was just kind of staring at everybody on the couch, I was really thinking, oh gosh, what kind of antidepressant must he be on? Because he did have that clonopin look of that like, I'm here, but I'm not really here. I'm pretty zoned out. And also I'm like, even having a little bit of a hard time following the conversation and like nothing is really penetrating here. And then when he does start talking, the things he says are like so 
wildly inappropriate to the time and place. Yeah, that Dorothy and Jerry don't work out. And that, that movie whole thing. pisses him off because he does like rom-coms. Yeah. That wasn't the time to bring up that feeling because <laughs> we're in the cold feet council. Right. <laughs> That's what this fire was for, was to address Kevin's cold feet. So let's talk about what prompted those cold feet. Again, going back to the flashback, he had written this mission statement. And when he's talking with Randall up in the bedroom, he finds the mission statement and he remembers his love for Sophie. When she had called. And she had called. So we had had this uh, Sophie little hitch in the plan. Now, Sophie says, Paul, that she has a different phone number because mm, she doesn't want to get into it. Is it complicated? What gives with Soph? What do you think? I would say that uh, whatever relationship she was in at that funeral, she ain't in no more. And with the new phone number, it kind of implies things went off the rails in a way where she's got to hide a little bit. I am worried about that relationship going off the rails and the fact that she is Poking, poking around a little bit. She has his number memorized in such a way most of us wouldn't. In a way that if we got rid of our phones, that would be rough to try to call somebody right. else, right? So I was just kind of like, oh gosh. I, I mean, I know everyone can say, come on, Caroline. I'm sure she downloaded her contacts. Whatever, she probably did. But I still just felt like the whole thing was like, Sophie, I don't know, girl. Quit sniffing around, you know? This is like a drunk texting situation like get out of here the funeral episode was supposed to be the capstone to your relationship with kevin you watch the end of goodwill hunting he goes to get the girl but that doesn't mean that you're supposed to go get kevin that just means that that ended your the romantic part of your relationship was was symbolically ending with the movie however just because he deletes her number doesn't mean anything Oh, you think that? Does the sniffing around mean she might show up? She might come to the wedding. She might, I don't know what, interfere in a way. I mean, I know we're at the end of this season. We have one more season to go. Yeah. And there's plenty of episodes. I don't know. You think so? A short run of of interference could work. You want that? No, I don't want that. Ooh, I don't want that. I want I want uh, Kevin to, to wind up with a big, you know, I think he's going to have a lull in his career, but I think he's going to hit some big role. And I think, you know, the mo- the show will end with him having achieved what he wants as, as an actor. That's what I hope for him. And I want him to be the man that he wants to be, the father he wants to be, the husband he wants to be. That's all the stuff I want for Kevin. Well, you seem to have indicated that you think, Sophie, this was just like a a red herring. What do you think? When we were watching it, you were like, "Mm, see, they made it seem like Kevin was going for Sophie, but no, it's a switcheroo. Kevin's totally over her. Sophie's just a bump in the road, but it's actually Madison we need to be watching for. That's true. So I thought we were going that way. I didn't. I didn't expect you. You're 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 surprising me here. No, no. I'm just I'm just creating uh, a what if. Like you're creating drama. That's what you're doing. You're over there making drama for everybody. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of think that the Kevin Sophie thing might very well just be a red herring, and it's actually Madison we need to keep our eyeballs on. Well, then let's get into it. 
Because I don't think there's anything else to cover at the bachelor party. Well, no, that's not true. Before we leave, there's a very important portion of the of the bachelor party that we do that we should touch on. Miguel's explanation of different relationships and how love stories can come to be. I think that this was a very poignant conversation because, you know, especially this entire story, the entire creation of this show was based on the love story of Jack and Rebecca. The written in the stars kind of love. Exactly. And so the idea that Miguel could finally voice that he did not steal her, you know, this was not any of those types of things. Like put all those, all those fans for so many years were like hating on Miguel because clearly he had done something. No, the way that it was all explained where it was like, these are two people who actually found love together and are writing their story together. I thought it was a really nice way to finally give some legitimacy to their relationship and, and to everybody for second loves most especially Kevin and Madison. Like, it's okay if you aren't those initial soulmates from, you know, whatever, say from high school or from, you know, the very first look of what Kevin and Sophie were like, elementary school children or something. Like, you may not have that history with someone, but that doesn't mean that your love story is any less valid. Even if you find it later in life or whatever, however you get there, even if you have to write it together, it's a different type of love perhaps, but it's not less than. Depending on whether or not I get my wish and things wind up perfectly with Kevin and Madison or not, in a way, if you were charting Miguel, in terms of why does he exist in this show, I think a high point may be that speech because Kevin's mind was not right until Miguel delivered that speech. And the only way Miguel could deliver that speech is if he went through everything that he went through with with being Jack's best friend and then marrying Rebecca under the circumstances that he did. Mm hmm. So he had to go through that whole journey just to get to the point to be the only person that Kevin knew that could say what he said and have it mean what it means. And he needed it right then and there at the Council of Cold Feet. So so yay, Miguel, right? Yes. Yay for having a Pearson moment that Miguel never gets to have. Never. And you know what? A tiny little step into Jack level soothing things with the kids. I mean, they've always relied on these Jack speeches to save the day. And this is the first time it's a Miguel speech that saves the day. And Kevin only warmed up to Miguel within the past. Oh my God, like five minutes earlier. Really? (laughs) When I saw him there, I was kind of like, wow, Miguel is like at the bachelor party. Okay. Well, they've been cool for a little while, but only a little while. The bulk of the show, Kevin was a real jackass to him. What did you think about Miguel's, like, constantly checking on Rebecca? Well, before everyone split up and went to their respective parties, the two discussed that Rebecca was feeling good, that her meds were working. This is the first substantial update that we had gotten on her memory situation in a while. I would say in uh, most of this season... Yes. It helped me a lot, Paul, let me tell you, to hear that her meds were working because you and I were really grasping at straws as to why in the world are we seeing such an evening out of her symptoms and she seems to be doing so well. So thankfully, they give us these couple lines to say, oh, she's on new medications and the treatment is working. Exactly. Thank you. (laughs) 
But if you're the husband that has been on watch when she has not done well, mm-hmm. then I think your practices might be affected when you're away. Because up to this point, they've been basically off camera most season, quote unquote, living in the cabin or, you know, whatever, but mostly together is the point, not apart. And so, yeah, this is like the mom that wants you to check in every five hours if you go to summer camp, (laughs) right? Have your phone, like that sort of thing. Well, let's switch over to Rebecca because she's having her own time when it comes to being on her own and, you know, being someone who is an independent woman and she has been in this world a very long time to suddenly have to be in this kind of babysat situation is rough. You know, she's been a caretaker for so long and people have kind of stopped coming to her for advice and comfort and everything. She's been the comforted instead of the comforter. And I think that this episode was really nice. This one and the one before where she was actually getting to be herself a little more. I did notice that people weren't uh, engaging with Rebecca at the bachelorette party, but I also felt like once she started dealing with Beth, that this was sort of a continuation of what I was mentioning in last week's podcast, where this may be the victory lap for Rebecca to make her Jack moments, basically. But let's call them Rebecca moments, where like she made up with Kate last last week, or more like Kate made up with her, because it was really all Kate. And she welcomed Madison to the family with the exact right words. And now she's leaving Beth with a continuation of this this supportive relationship that they've apparently always had, right? And so there was no one else at the party for her to engage with. She didn't need another, a second reconciliation with Kate, right? Mm, But just you walking me through that, you could see my body language. Mm. It's negative, people. It's not happy body language. Why would that be? What did we say last week? You, you, you just say it. Just you, say, what did we say last week? We're, I think we're reaching the top of the roller coaster ride. She's going around to each person and having these special moments. Madison's perfectly welcome to the family. Beth, after many times of her being encouraged, gets this one last push from Rebecca to, to be this empowered, beautiful, wonderful, smart woman that she is. Last week, we had Kate getting the big, everything's okay, everything's wrapped up with a bow with mom and daughter. Oh my god. So if next week if the if the wedding starts happening cuz you know some fans are suggesting that it may not go to plan um but let's just say that it gets most of the way going you can almost foresee that she will have a moment with Kevin where not only will she say how proud she is but that his father would have been proud of him too kind of bringing that that thing that Randall had dropped in his head at the end of last season to a full circle. So you're seeing in the next episode for Rebecca, she's got to hit, she's got to hit Randall Mm -hmm. and she's got to hit Toby and she's got to hit Kevin. Yeah. She's got to talk to each of them and say something sweet and important. A Rebecca moment. And then... (laughs) She has taken the complete victory lap. I'm afraid that's my prediction. We do not have screeners for that episode, so I'm just guessing. No, but it feels exactly right. I mean, this is the last part here. Well, and then Miguel. Because remember, in all of the final scenes we have seen thus far, 
No Miguels. All right. It's the last four boys. Gives you the, the heebie-jeebies. Okay, well, we've got to shake this up here, Paul. Well, let's hit the bachelorette party. How do you party. feel about nudes? How do you feel about nudes? And I want to know, live nudes. most importantly, where are these women hanging these nude pictures of an ex-ghost boyfriend of, of Madison's after they get done painting his side glutes? Oh, uh, their bathrooms, I guess? That's right. That's the right answer because nudes belong <laughs> in the bathroom. They didn't really focus in too closely. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Snazzy. No classy. Did you notice that over the shoulder that that they showed the paintings, that all the women were pretty skilled? (laughs) Yes. Paul has an art degree, you guys. So yeah. Paint for shit. I would have liked one to have just like a super duper like like a Mr. Potato Head kind of That would have been a lot more accurate. But you're right. They were all actually very similar to one another and actually all pretty good. I've been to one of these, or maybe two. Yeah, it was Picasso and wine or some business that we went to. Well, they're mainly... Painting with a twist. It was a birthday party for a friend. I was there. There were sunflowers for one, I think. Oh, my God. Remember? Sure. I don't remember. And then I think there was like fruit or something for another and that that's the complexity involved here it's like copy this template and you have yours now the idea of 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 painting the man yes i guess that's sort of uh risque yeah yes yes it is and maybe if you have enough wine it gets fun well it'd be funny because everyone would be like (laughs) but i mean okay so here's the thing once the guy comes to the door and Madison recognizes him and he's waxed and vaxed, Paul, for her pleasure, I am like, uh, let's do another activity and can they send over another guy? Exactly right. Like, I think it's super silly that they would continue on. That's way too uncomfortable. And when they set it up as this revenge thing, sorry, guys, I don't think that this works in 2021. I, I don't think humiliation is the right way to go here. I, I don't... Uh, it's, I don't think it's cool like to be like, ha ha, now we're all going to paint you at this bachelor rep party. I don't know. I think it's kind of gross. And I kind of even think he'd be like, ooh, I don't know if I should continue. And I kind of, I, I'm surprised that she's not like, uh. Yeah. It's it, just, Kate should have just called the place and been like, send, send a replacement. Turns out conflict of interest. Gotta go. Exactly. I mean, it would be uncomfortable for both of them. Especially since Rebecca elected for him to be the fully full nude. nude. Yeah. <laughs> Although I laughed hard with that. I mean, Rebecca, the, the right. <laughs> having the the everyone thinks that, especially you know, women of many different ages, that they're not sexually into things. Like everything's like, oh, you know, the amount of jokes on sitcoms where it's like the woman's always like, ah, oh, put it away, like all that shit. That is not real life. That is not what I've experienced with women that I know. So the fact that Rebecca's like, mm-hmm. And they're and like best like move that town a little bit like those are I, these are everyone I know like they make just as many body jokes as men do we just do it in a different way so I think it was hilarious and true to form that Rebecca said that sassy comment I just felt really weird about the whole idea that this was going to humiliate him and be some sort of revenge. I was like, I don't know, guys. I thought we we're not doing this stuff anymore. Thought we weren't belittling people through nudity. I think because his crime was ghosting. That it wasn't like, it was a very now crime, okay. you know, instead of something more serious that would have much harder feelings. Um, but we know for Madison, 
ghosting was probably enough to send her into a spiral. It was probably a much bigger deal than someone that uh, gets ghosted a lot, I guess. I don't know. I'm not really in that world of ghosting any supernatural things at all. You don't like zombie anyone? No, I don't Dracula anybody. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you're right. Let's move on to, though, the bigger deal, which was the newlywed game portion. The first question I thought was great and went really well. My breath was absolutely held the entire time. I thought it was going to go super shitty. I thought it was going to be like, what's your favorite color? Red, yellow. What's your favorite thing to eat? Bananas. Oatmeal. Like, I just thought every single one was going to go terribly. So when the first one was so dead on, I was like, all right, okay, we're doing good. Do you think that Kevin committed a mortal sin with this doesn't have a whole future envisioned in his head? Mortal? No. It's something that they'll probably end up talking about because that's this week's red herring, probably. Like last week's was Kevin's going to be questioning the marriage, blah, blah, blah. And so Kevin's fine now. And so now we need Madison. Madison's questioning the marriage. But really, should she? They've had when you got the little babies, when you got twins like that, I know they have a nanny, but I'd like to think that Madison is still right in there. She seems to be up to her elbows and explosive diarrhea. So funny. It's an all hands on deck situation. Exactly. That is not a period where you're like talking about empty nest shit. Yeah. And I, I agree with you very much. When your kids are so small, it's hard to imagine the nest being empty. And to be honest with you, like looking back, any idea that I thought what it would be like at this age and stage, I would have been dead wrong. So a to, complete waste of time. Well, and it's fine if you want to think about some idea of like, where would we retire? See, that's the funny thing. I think if we played that newlywed game and we had already had kids say that they were six months old or whatever, and we had the life we had, and someone said, what will it forever look like for you? Both of us would be like, we're never going to get to retire. We're always going to have to work. Like, what are you talking about? So... That was almost kind of the same response as like, I don't want to get old. Like, that's not even a thing. Let's move on. You know, this idea of like, there's a one answer, typical response that you should be giving and you're screwing it up is like, I don't know. I think that's too much. I think it was very Kevin to say, I don't ever want to be old or grow up. And so. But that doesn't make it not a cop out answer. Uh, Yeah, but they have just such little babies. How are you imagining an empty nest? Their nest just got full. Like. I don't know if there was an answer. I mean, there was their courting period was while she was pregnant. Even that would was be, cut short when he went to go film. It would be filled with baby shit talk. Like, yeah, buying cribs and, just and getting to know each other now. Like you know, no, no. To be honest with you, though, for women, even when it's like high school and you're like doing like mash. It is like where are you going to live? What kind of car are you going to drive? How many kids are you going to have? Like. And you were like 13 or nine or whatever when you're doing that. So girls, I think, do think a little bit more like what that's going to be like. But if you included on that little mash game and where will you retire and what exactly will you do when the kids are gone? That part's never in that game because that's not really the sexy part of 
the idea of growing up and marry someone and having a family. Like nobody's like, and then your kids leave and what's your relationship look like then? Like that's not part of the cootie catcher game. So again, like I don't really feel that bad that they don't really have an answer. Am I weird in that? Could you imagine like 11 and 12 year old girls playing with that cootie catcher that's like. I'll live in Charleston and we'll run an antique store. Pick a a number, right? (laughs) You'll play canasta like i don't what even yeah i just think that part's like they're in a different stage of life i don't really know why i don't think it thudded as hard now there was a pause in the moment of kevin's face where he kind of looks down and gets a little serious like i don't know what i mean that's the part where you have to read into is that like a well i don't really see a future with her or i never thought about it or i think it's we've never talked about it that's what i think okay and is that wrong that you've never talked about it or is it just like we haven't gotten there yet i think it's you know, you should probably put it on the agenda, but they're still in the middle of raising the baby twins. Uh, and their relationship was, you know, zero to 60 in nine months, basically. So uh, this is reasons to to create drama before the wedding, but it is not reasons to not have the wedding, I don't think. I thought it was more of a pause when they were having that... Kevin knew a good thing when he saw it conversation out when we're doing the painting. Hmm. And she said, well, not really, because that was more of a pause. Like he actually knew me for a while. I had been around for multiple seasons, if you will. Yeah, He never asked me out and we never had these long, important conversations and we never had this chemistry. So like that probably would have given me more pause because She wasn't a one-night stand of a woman he never knew. She was a one-night stand of a family friend who they had known each other for a couple of years and never had anything going on between the two of each other. So then you kind of really isolate the pregnancy as the one and only reason why anything changed. That gets more dicey. The married women giving each other the side eye, like, huh? What? Hmm? Huh? During that. And that doesn't help. (laughs) That doesn't build confidence. (laughs) Right, right. Well, because none of the rest of them, you know, each of their stories were different, though. Toby and Kate has a very different story than Rebecca and Miguel. Randall worked his ass off for, for Beth. Exactly right. So each one of them have their own love story. I think that's a very this is us, you know, slices of the pie purposeful formula they all kind of worked their asses off like toby yeah that was no slam dunk he had to pursue and and jack yeah that uh jack did almost everything he could to screw things up and and but still uh found a way to make it work you know the the dad and yeah the dad and the seeming cheap on the thing but not getting the umbrella yeah, when the it was carnival, raining. Yeah. But but he had, sheep at the thing. I know. <laughs> sheep at the thing. I know. But no umbrella at the carnival. <laughs> taking her on, on on that on that cross country trip on a whim probably bought a lot oh, of Oh, that would get me in a in a heartbeat. <laughs> Slow dancing in a cross country trip on a whim. Yeah. Bring the Pringles. A lot of credit. <laughs> he had a lot of credit to burn with we that. Absolutely do. I think that Madison's concerns are valid. We have heard Madison say, I love you. And I was really trying to think if we had heard Kevin say that. I heard Kevin say things like, I'm crazy about her. I don't know that I've heard her, heard 
Kevin say, I'm madly in love with her. There's different types of relationships. There's partnerships. There's people who co-parent. There's a lot of different types of relationships. Not everything has to look the same, but this might just be a couple that's together because of their age and wanting to have a family. And so they've decided to forge this partnership and do this together, but it might not be a love story in the traditional sense. I don't know, man. He watches cooking shows, uh, lets her fall asleep with the remote control out of the way. I mean, if that's not love, then nothing is. <laughs> that's very true. Well, hopefully we're going to have a wedding this next week, you guys. You know, we'll see if they really decide to seal the deal. I think that they will. I, I don't really have any feeling that she's going to run off or something. Me neither. But, you know, do you have any other predictions? I mean, we've got... Tobe, I don't know how much longer he can hold together. Tobe, uh, he is a powder keg. This isn't one of those things where like the spouse is going to be able to like step in and, and fix something for him or say everything's going to be okay and have it work. This is all Tobe. I don't know what it means that he said that he's willing to take this job in San Francisco. The full impact yeah. of that, did that mean that he'd be away from the house for long periods for either a commute or, because they live in LA, right? Yeah. So San Francisco's not a commute. It's a, it's a live there and then come home on the weekends kind of thing. If that. It's far. It's, it's far. like the length of the country. I mean, think of how, how long California is. It's a long ways. Yeah. So I felt really bad about that. And because I think we could get to a spot where he's going to get the job in San Francisco. Kate's expected to give up her her music job and and her mom lives close by here and everything that's going on. I mean, I, and Kevin and, and their, all their relationships. Together. I mean, I'm I'm pretty floored about that choice on Toby's part. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, IT not being able to find a job in L.A. What? What? I mean, what am I, what am I missing here about his skills? I'm not sure because they've been a little vague about his skills, to be honest. That's true. It's like he uses a phone and a computer. <laughs> but other than that, we don't know. That's true. <laughs> this is Caroline. And this is Paul. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.